Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Good morning, ACF. It's great to be with you guys this morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. We also want to welcome everybody who's watching us online. Can we just give them a huge hand for joining us this morning? I love the fact that we get to now put our stuff online. And we know guys being deployed and guys on TDY and guys up on the slope are tuning in and watching us this morning. So it's great to be with you guys all today. So can we do something together, uh, everyone in this room? Let's go ahead and collectively, let's take a deep breath in. Let it out. We have arrived. Christmas season is here. Can I get an amen? Come on. Who's excited for Christmas today? Come on, let's see. Who's excited? I love Christmas. If you're not excited, I don't want to know because I don't want you to rain on my parade. I love Christmas. If that's one thing that you know about me, you know that I love Christmas. I love everything about it. I love eggnog. I love the music. I love the movies. I, I love going to the mall like the day before Christmas Eve and just watching everyone run around hectically. It's, it's a blast. I love everything about Christmas. I love that in our hearts you just see so much more kindness and so much more caring for other people. Um, there's so much about Christmas that I love, but one of my favorite things I love about Christmas is the Christmas lights. I, I love putting Christmas lights up on my house. I love, like, I came into my neighborhood the other day, and, like, three or four of my neighbors are all bam, 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 out there in a row, all putting up their lights together in the super warm weather that we've been having, and so they braved it. It was awesome. Uh, the other day, my wife and I, we went up to Wasilla, and there's a bunch of neighborhoods up there you can drive through, and like the entire neighborhood has like put on a Christmas light show, and you tune in on your radio, and you just drive through the neighborhood, and the lights are all dancing to the Christmas music playing in your car. I love Christmas lights. If I could, if my wife would allow me, I would absolutely Chevy Chase Christmas vacation my house. Like, I absolutely would do it. I've not gotten the permission yet. Um, my wife has won the battle, but I will win the war someday, and I will have that monstrosity of lights on my house. I love Christmas. I love Christmas lights. It's the Christmas season. There's a lot to get excited about. But another thing that kind of goes along with Christmas, at least up here, um, and even for me growing up, one thing that we understand is like, um, if you haven't noticed, our days are getting shorter. Um, if you haven't been paying attention to this, uh, when it's what, 9.15 now, and it's dark outside. That's not normal. Um, it, at least it is not anywhere else but here. Right now, we, we get the dark. We're in the dark. We wake up in the morning. It's dark. We go to work. It's dark. We start our work day. It's dark. We're done with work. It's dark. We drive home, and it's dark. Uh, there's a lot of darkness right now uh, out and about in our lives. And <clears throat> you think about it, darkness is kind of a funny thing. Um, I mean, even that, it's like, how many of you guys have really been in a dark place before? How many of you guys have really been in a dark place before? And even that question alone is kind of interesting. When I ask that question, some of you in this room think of the time that you and your best friend went out on a hunting trip. 
and it became nighttime and you dig through your pack and you pull out your flashlights only to realize you haven't checked the batteries since last hunting season. And, and you spent the night in a very dark place with no light. But others, others of you in this room, when I ask, have you been in a dark place before, immediately go to a time in your life. Go to a circumstance you remember. Go to an experience you had, a pain that you walked through. See, we all experience darkness. And, and even those questions, it's like, man, if you've walked through real darkness before, that's where your mind goes and that's where your thought goes. And, and darkness is a real interesting thing. <clears throat> One truth about darkness I think we can all understand and we could all agree with is that darkness is scary. Is it not? Like, darkness is scary. It's a scary thing. We learn this as kids, that darkness is scary. We're, we're afraid of the dark as, as little kids. I remember when I f had my first son, and he was a little baby, and we put him down in his bed. And I remember thinking, like, I, I want my son to not be afraid of the dark. So what I'm going to do is as he grows up, we're going to like have his blind shut, and no night lights or anything, door shut. And so when he, he'll get used to sleeping in the absolute pitch black and he'll never be afraid of the dark. And today, he's terrified of the dark. It didn't work. It didn't work. Darkness is scary. Like, come on, we've all been there. We all know this. We've all been kids in bed and you wake up in the middle of the night and to the worst possible thing, you must leave the safety of your bed to go to the bathroom. And so what do you do? You look over the side, and there's like the danger zone around your bed, right? It's about four feet long or so, the length of an arm, something that could reach out from underneath your bed and grab you. So you look, and you leap out of bed, right, past the danger zone. You know, you go to the bathroom, you come back, and now you're, again, with the dilemma of this area, this buffer around your bed. You, you dare not step in. Mind you, might disappear under the bed forever, and so you come running and diving over that zone and sliding into the safety of your bed. We've been there. We get this. Darkness is scary. And when you grow up, I don't know if it becomes less scary. We become better liars. Pff, I'm not afraid of the dark. Are you kidding me? Right? Until there's that strange noise in your house in the middle of the night, and it's dark, and it's like, honey, can you go check that noise? And your wife has to get out of bed and go... <laughs> No, I'm just joking. If that's you, we do offer marriage mentoring. You can get online and check that out. I highly suggest it. But darkness is an interesting thing, right? And, and it, it, our concept of it changes as we get older. While my son now might be a little scared of the dark when the lights are off in his room, as an adult, we're not scared of the dark laying in bed because there's not a light bulb in our room that's on. We become scared of the dark because all of a sudden we start to realize that we might actually be in darkness. There's times where we lay in bed and the lights are off, and yeah, we're not scared because the lights are off, but there's maybe some anxiety happening in our lives. Maybe there's some fear happening, creeping into our hearts. There's some pain that we're experiencing. You see, our concept and our understanding of darkness begins to change. And when we become adults, we're still scared of the dark, but in a completely different way, in a much more real way. Where it really affects us, not just at night, but throughout our day, throughout our life. And darkness begins to grip and get a hold of our hearts and our lives. You see, darkness is a scary thing. You see, when we're in the darkness, we're, we're blind and we can't see where we're going. When we're in the darkness, that's where things like fear and anxiety, they live, and shame lives in darkness. And we experience that. <clears throat> you see, and there's an interesting, another interesting thing about darkness is 
When we get into darkness, what do we do? As we begin to look for any sort of any hope of light in, within that darkness. I mean, many of us have been there before where we've been maybe sitting with our family watching a movie or something and the power goes out, common occurrence up here. Right, when the power goes out and it's nighttime, you stumble through your house trying to make your way to the drawer, the sacred drawer that keeps all, without busting a toe, of course, as, as you stumble through the darkness and you search through that drawer just hoping to find a flashlight with batteries that actually work. And you might find a flashlight and you turn it on and all of a sudden, all of a sudden we can move through this darkness, we can move through this blindness that we once had, but now we have the light and we can see and what do we do? We typically go sit down with our family and the family gathers around the light. You see, it's, it, our reaction darkness is even <clears throat> an interesting thing. And the truth of the matter is, there's something that's quite interesting is that We've all been in that place before. We've all been in darkness. You know, in fact, Scripture says that we've all been born into darkness, that we're all citizens, really, of darkness. It's an interesting thing, because everyone in this room, no matter who you are, no matter what your experience is, no matter what your beliefs are or your faith is, you've all been in darkness. And I don't think anyone would argue with me in that. It doesn't matter if you've known Jesus for as long as you can possibly remember, from a small child that you've believed and known Jesus. It doesn't matter if that's who you are, you're coming in this room this morning and you're saying, I don't even know if there is a Jesus. I don't even know if there is a God. I don't know if I believe in that. I'm not sure what I believe. I'm just here this morning, maybe because a friend brought me, or I don't really know why I'm here. I just showed up this morning. And the, the fact of the matter is that no matter where you are in that spectrum, the common ground for all of us is that we've all been in darkness. We've all experienced it. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your race is. The great equalizer for all of us is that we've all been in darkness. In fact, <clears throat> in Scripture, Luke, in, in Luke chapter 1, it tells us that we have all sat in darkness. Like, not just like trying to make our way through, but we've just gone, I've had enough, and I'm just sitting here. I'm just going to sit in this darkness. In Colossians 1, it says that we, we've all lived in a dominion of darkness. Again, that we've all been born in this, we're all citizens of darkness. Every human in all human history has been born into darkness. Every human but one, and that's Jesus. We'll talk about that in a minute. But even Jesus himself, maybe have not been born and was not a citizen of darkness, but he marched right into darkness on a mission. Ephesians tells us at one time that we were all in darkness. In Acts 26, it equates darkness to the power of Satan, or darkness to his dominion, his reign. You see, we've all been in that dominion, we've all been in that place, that, that kingdom of darkness. We've all experienced it. Some of you guys are going, have experienced it? No, Josh, you don't get it. I, I'm experiencing it right now. I am walking in this darkness right now. No, this is the Christmas season, but where's my joy to the world? Where's my peace on earth? Where is it for me, Josh? No, I, I'm not, I haven't had experienced this. I am walking through this right now. It's darkness. It, it affects all of us. And at this point in the message of the day, of the morning, Many of you are going, I'm really glad I came to church this morning. This is super uplifting. Yeah, talking about darkness, that's really what I wanted to do. 
It's okay. It's okay. Hang with me here. You see, <clears throat> there is good news. There is a light. And as we've experienced this, and all of us have, and some of us have walked through this, and some of us are walking through it right now, and some of us, like Scripture says, are maybe even sitting in it, not even knowing what to do, not knowing how to get out. And there was this people, this nation that was experiencing much of the same thing a long time ago. They were walking and living in darkness, and, and in fact, the whole world had been in darkness. The whole world had been consumed by darkness, but for most of the world, they didn't know that they were consumed by darkness. For most of the world, they didn't know that they were in darkness. That's the way darkness is sometimes. Sometimes we can be in it for so long, we don't even realize we're in it anymore. But this, this nation, they knew that they had been in darkness. They knew where they were at, and they knew that there had to be something better than this. There had to be this light at the end of the tunnel, <clears throat> but they didn't see it. They didn't know where it was coming from. And in fact, they were in some, some physical oppression as well. They had been conquered, and, and they were just looking for hope in any sense of the word. And then one day, this, this man comes up, and, and this is, his name's Isaiah, and many of you know the scripture. It's Isaiah chapter 9. If you've been around church at all during Christmas season, you've probably heard this verse, but we're going to read some of this this morning. You see, this hope begins to appear to a people, much like maybe this morning, hope may begin to appear in your life. But Isaiah, he tells, he prophesies, he tells the people, hey, hope is on the way, hope is coming. And God speaks through Isaiah to the people of Israel, and this is what he says to them. Listen to this. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy of the harvest. Man, some of us just need to hear that this morning. Some of us need to understand that there is a joy and a joy of the harvest that is, com well, is coming for them but is here today. I'm going to jump down into verse 6. Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. All of a sudden, where there had never been a hope, where there had been nothing but darkness, a crack in the darkness, and this hope appears a light has come. It's, it, light is amazing, is it not? Like, light is this very interesting thing that it's amazing what light can do in darkness. We can, like, for my son, right, he's terrified in his room without the light on, and all of a sudden, you flick of a switch, and what was terrifying is no longer terrifying. Those monsters under the bed and in the closet seem to vanish with a little bit of light in the room. Do they not? All of a sudden, where I was once blind... In the darkness, I can see. It's amazing how light changes everything. It brings clarity. It brings hope. It brings calmness to chaos when light appears. It, it brings peace to fear. It brings sight to blindness. In a, in, in a physical sense, 
then also in, in a spiritual sense as well, how light changes things all of a sudden, drastically, instantly. Light changes things. And, and Isaiah prophesies that this light is coming. This light is coming. And, and the light that he's talking about is Jesus. The light that he's, he's prophesying about to come is this man named Jesus. <clears throat> Many of us in this room know that. Some of us might not understand that and not, might not know that. But I want to ask you to do something today. I want you to, I want you to hang with me in the stories that we're going to tell here two quick little things that happens with Jesus. And I don't want you to just assume, oh, I get where he's going with this. Yes, the light, light is Jesus, Jesus is here, we should experience the light. But I want you to, I want you, really want you to hear this this morning. You see, we're going to jump into John chapter 8. You can turn there. We're going to be in, in verse 12. It'll be on the screen behind me if you don't have your Bibles this morning. But you see, this light is the whole purpose of Christmas. It's celebrating the fact that the light has come now into the world. But I want to fast forward in, in, in John, because I really want us to grasp this concept of Jesus in the light, and truly what this means for us. You see, Jesus, uh, we're, in John chapter 8, he's already started his ministry, and, and he's been going for a little while, and he's at the synagogue, he's at the temple, and he's teaching the people. This is very customary for Jesus to do. He's teaching at the synagogue, and there's these people in front of him. There's actually a large crowd in front of him listening to him teach, and, and in that crowd is a group of Pharisees, and Pharisees were like the, kind of like the pastors of the day. And, and these Pharisees, they, they have issues with Jesus. They take serious issue with him because Jesus is really undercutting their authority and their power. You see, these Pharisees... They, they were kind of ruling over the people, not in a governmental sense, but in a more of a spiritual sense. They, 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 they were telling these people like, hey, here's the law of God. You cannot break the law, but to make sure you cannot break the law, here's a whole new law that you have to follow so you don't break this law. And if you want to make it into heaven, if you want to make it into God's good graces, then you have to follow all of this stuff that we're setting up. And we're the ones that have the authority to let you know if you're, if you're making it or breaking it. And, so, and they just had this like oppressive kind of authority over people. So Jesus shows up and he starts talking freedom. And he starts undercutting their power. And so they take some real issue with Jesus over this. And so Jesus is teaching. And in, in John uh, chapter 8, verse 12, this is what Jesus tells him. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk into darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus says this, and immediately these Pharisees take offense to this. This is a big deal to them. Listen, to the, listen to what they say. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. In other words, it's a nice way to say what the Pharisees did is they looked at Jesus and went, liar, you are a liar. Can you imagine that? You're sitting there talking to somebody. You're, you're teaching something in a class or something. All of a sudden someone stands up and is like, you are lying. Like, this is a big deal. We don't just walk up to people typically and point in their face and call them liars. That's exactly what these Pharisees do because when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, this carries some major weight behind it. Some major weight behind it. You see, throughout the New Testament, time and time again, Jesus calls himself God who refers to himself as God. He says, I'm the son of God. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Like he, he he lets the people know that he's God over and over and over again. But this time is a little different. You see, a lot of people back then kind of claimed to be God. Caesar claimed to be God. Like, 
it wasn't super uncommon to have people calling themselves God. And so when Jesus did it, yes, to the, to, to the Hebrews, like they understood like he's talking about the God of the Old Testament, but there's a lot of people going around calling themselves God. But when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, this carries some huge connotations with it. And to help us understand what, what, the, what the Pharisees were thinking and what they were hearing and what they were understanding is this. I want to jump back into Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The very beginning of the Bible, the very first verses of the Bible. <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void and the Spirit hovered upon the face of the deep. The very beginning, the very first words of Scripture what we have is God creating the earth, creating the heavens and the earth. And what is there? When he creates it, what is there? What we have is darkness, because there is no light yet. We have darkness, we have formlessness, and void. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. So what we have is, is, is formlessness or purposeless and void, emptiness. There was no light. There was no life on earth yet. We have purposelessness and emptiness at the very beginning. And then the very next words are, then God said, let there be light. Let there be light. Immediately, God says, let there be light, and boom, the light pushes back the darkness. All of a sudden, what was now formless and void now has purpose and form and is filled with life. There was formless and void, now there's form that as you go on to read in these verses, following this, all of a sudden form comes to earth and life comes to earth. See, in the beginning, God speaks and he speaks light to this earth and all of a sudden things begin to have a purpose and all of a sudden things begin to be filled with life. You see, and what these, what these Pharisees were hearing was what Jesus was claiming is that he was God. You see, when we jump into John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. You see, when God speaks let there be light. What he's doing is he's speaking Jesus. Jesus is that word that he speaks. I love the way that Matt Chandler puts it. He says that when God speaks, Jesus becomes the active force of creation. When God speaks, Jesus becomes the active force of creation. And what was once dark is now light, which is once formless and purposeless now has form and purpose, and which was once empty has life, and that comes through Jesus. You see, Jesus was not just saying, yes, I am God. What he was saying is, no, 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 I was there at the beginning. And we know this because in, in, in chapter 8, Jesus continues on the conversations. The Pharisees say, you are a liar, and Jesus says, no, you can't call me a liar. You don't know where I've been. In other words, I was there at the beginning. You don't know where I've been. I am this light. I am the driving force of creation. I am what brings purpose. I am what brings life. And then Jesus says, and you don't know where I'm going. 
In Revelations, when, Jesus said, or when, when John writes that, that we'll no not longer need the sun or the moon for our light because of the glory of God, Jesus says, you don't know where I've been and you don't know where I'm going. But I am the light of the world. You see, this is what Isaiah was talking about when he was, when he was saying that the, the people have walked in darkness and they've seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, a light has shone on them. And the truth of the matter is that light, while Isaiah was prophesying about it thousands of years ago, it is here today. It has come to earth. That, that force of light that brings purpose, that brings life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, how, how do we get that, though? How does that come into our lives? Because we've all been in darkness. We've all been citizens of darkness. Some of us are walking in darkness right now. And even if we've understood who Jesus is, doesn't mean there won't be times of darkness to come in our lives. Just because you say yes to Jesus doesn't mean that everything gets better forevermore. And no darkness comes. So what does that mean that Jesus is the light of the world? How does that affect me today? <clears throat> you see, it all comes back to why Jesus came to earth. It all comes back to why Jesus showed up. You see, I, when I talk to people, and a lot, a lot of times Christians and even non-Christians, when, when I ask them, like, why do you think Jesus came. Well, what was his mission? What was his purpose in coming to earth? Typically, the response you hear is, well, he came to die for the sins of humanity. And while that's a true statement, Jesus did come and he did die for the sins of humanity, that was not his mission. That was not the driving force to send him out of heaven into earth as a man. You see, the reason Jesus came was to establish his kingdom here on earth. We talked a lot about this this fall when we, talked to, uh, when we did our series in Alaska as in heaven. But the reason Jesus came was to establish his kingdom. The reason Jesus showed up was to bring the kingdom of light and expel the kingdom of darkness. Now, to do that, to accomplish that, of course, Jesus had to die for the sins of humanity. That couldn't have been done without him doing that. But that was not the goal. That was not the... The reason he came, the mission, was to establish the kingdom of heaven or this kingdom of light. <clears throat> so to walk in the light is to walk in the kingdom of God. In Colossians 1, 12 and 13, it says this, it says, Give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion or the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. His beloved son is the light of the world. So it's the kingdom of light that he's transferred us into. See, this is what we need to understand. This is what we need to grasp is to walk in the light is to walk in the kingdom of God. But for so many of us, this is a strange concept. This is an the thing that we need to change our understanding and change our mind and change the way that we see the kingdom of God because for so many people, the more people I talk to, the more people that sit in my office and talk to me, the more teenagers I talk to, the more adults I talk to, what I hear over and over again is it isn't being a Christian, isn't walking in the kingdom of God just about a bunch of rules and regulations? Isn't it just about a bunch of do's and do nots? Like that's what we've kind of boiled the kingdom of heaven down to is a bunch of do's and do nots. Do this, don't do that, and you'll be into the kingdom of light. Right? And, and so often the do's and the do nots are like things we 
don't want to do or we do want to do, right? Like, oh, man, how come I can't do this? Or how come I have to do this? Why do I have to show up to church every week? Because that's in the Ten Commandments, right? And, like, how come I, you know, why is it, like, I have to read my Bible for an hour a day, and if I don't, then I'm not getting that check marked off the box. And, how can, you know, I'm not supposed to do these things, and I am supposed to do those things. And I, I got I to, gotta, you know, be nice to my neighbor. My neighbor's a jerk. You don't know my neighbor. How could you tell me I have to do that? Like, and that's kind of what we've boiled everything down to. <clears throat> a bunch of do's. And do nots. And that was not, is not what the kingdom of God is all about. And when we boil it down to that, we've, we've missed it. And when we boil it down to that in our own lives, well, of course it doesn't bring a light to our hearts. Of course it doesn't bring joy to our souls. When we're just trying to go down a, a checklist of things to make sure we've done them, and hopefully we've done them enough times the right way to get into heaven. Hopefully, if, if, I'm, if I'm having a bad day, I need to do enough good things. We've, we've kind of started to adopt this into our lives, into our understanding of the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven then? See, Paul, Paul, who's, who's a, 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 someone in the New Testament who gets radically safe for Jesus, an incredibly brilliant man who knew scripture, who knew law inside and out, gets radically saved and ends up writing these letters, and these letters become two-thirds of what we have now as the New Testament. And he writes easily, arguably, his greatest letter. One of the best pieces of literature in, in, in Scripture, and, and, and people have argued one of the best pieces of literature in human history. And it's this, this letter we call it the Book of Romans. And in Romans 14, 17, Paul tells us what the kingdom of heaven is. It's so great, it's so simple, it's right in front of us, and how often have we read these things and we just kind of right over our heads and we don't get it, but this morning, I hope you get this. Paul writes, he writes what the kingdom of heaven is. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, okay? In other words, what he's saying right there is the kingdom of God is not a bunch of do's and do nots. You see, there was these groups of Christians throughout Rome, and they're all arguing with each other about what they were allowed to eat and what they weren't allowed to eat and what they were allowed to drink and what they weren't allowed to drink. And these, these followers of Jesus are telling these followers of Jesus that they're not really followers of Jesus because they're not following the rules right. And Paul's like, whoa, you guys are missing this. The kingdom of heaven is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of do's and do nots. But the kingdom of heaven is of righteousness Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that this morning? The kingdom of heaven is what? It is righteousness, peace, and joy. That is the kingdom of heaven, and that is the kingdom of heaven today. And that is the kingdom of heaven that we need to learn to walk into. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Man, wouldn't it be wonderful... That no matter what you're going through, no matter what your exterior circumstance is, that you could have peace and joy within that. That what's happening on the exterior would not affect your peace and joy. That that is God's kingdom and that is God's desire for you to have peace and joy. You can have that and you can experience that. And we're going to talk about that next week. And the week after that. But this morning, this morning, I want to end with this.
this understanding, that before we get to the peace and joy, the first word that describes God's kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. What does that mean? It's kind of a churchy word. Righteousness means this. It means that you stand before the king or the judge right. That you stand before him holy, perfect, righteousness. You see, that is the only way to experience peace and joy. That is the only way to enter God's kingdom. That is the only way to experience the light of this world, this light of Jesus in your life is through righteousness. But the great thing about righteousness is this. It can only be received. It cannot be earned. It cannot be purchased. You cannot do enough good things or right things to earn it in your life. It can only be put on you by the king. It can be only given to you by God. It is a gift. It is a free gift. Isn't that amazing? It's like Merry Christmas, everybody. What do you have? Righteousness. You stand before God perfect of where, just right where you are before you can do anything. See, that is the point of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is about making his people as right as the king. And this morning... Man, God's offering it to so many of you. And he's already offered it to many of you. And many of you have accepted it, but you don't walk in it. You don't understand it. You think, man, I keep having to earn my righteousness. I keep having to earn my right to stand before the king. I keep having to do the right thing, say the right thing. And then we go back into making it a matter of eating and drinking. No, if you have righteousness this morning, if you've submitted yourself to the authority of the king, the authority of God, the authority of Jesus, if you've done that in your life, then it's time to start walking in that freedom, knowing that you stand before the king righteous. You stand before the king holy. And to let that freedom last and rule and reign in your life. Righteousness has been given to you. It can only be received. So stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to deserve it. Because you don't. I don't. We don't. So if you said yes to Jesus, that's where you stand this morning. But if you haven't said yes to Jesus, if you haven't experienced righteousness in your life, if you haven't accepted that gift, that gift is there this morning, that gift is available for you, and it takes only but submitting to the king's authority, to step into that kingdom of light. See, we read that in Colossians that Jesus transfers us, God transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, and we become people who inherit his righteousness, his kingdom. And that can be absolutely you this morning. Are you still in darkness? Are you still waiting to have purpose? Are you still waiting to have life in your life in your heart not not purpose that goes away not purpose that is temporary not life and excitement that is short-lived that that is controlled by your experiences that it is controlled by your by what's happening in your life or what's happening in your job or what's happening in your family but a light that is there to bring life purpose 
See, it's just there waiting for you this morning. And the thing is that I've heard so often, in fact, I had a conversation with, this, with somebody just like a week ago, and they said, Josh, you don't get it. I am beyond God's reach. While you are a good person and you deserve this righteousness, I am beyond God's reach. And let me tell you this morning, you are not beyond God's reach. In fact, to even say that you're beyond God, God's reach is to say that you are bigger than God. Like God is not big enough to handle my circumstances, my sin, my problems. No, they are bigger than God. No, you are not beyond God's reach this morning. That same God who created this universe, the driving force of creation, Jesus, has already come. He's already the light. He's already here, and he's just waiting for you to submit yourself to him. So where do you stand today, church? I want you to take inventory in your heart. Are you lost, stumbling your way through the darkness, a citizen of this dark dominion? Or are you in the light of God's kingdom? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your word to speak truth to us. God, I pray that if we are in your kingdom of light, God, that we would begin to realize your righteousness is upon us, that we stand perfect before the king, before we've done anything, before we do anything. God, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's a matter of receiving your righteousness. God, help us to walk that out, live that out in our lives on a daily basis. Let that transform us, that truth from your word transform us. And God, if we are not in your kingdom of light, Jesus, I pray that our hearts would turn to you, God. Jesus, like your word says, I pray that our eyes would be open, that our ears would be open to hear your truth and that it would change and transform our heart. God, and that today, right now, right where we're sitting, that we would choose to walk into your kingdom of light, to submit ourselves to your authority. Jesus says, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be transformed into that kingdom of light and you will receive that righteousness. God, I pray if that's anyone in this room today, God, that you would do that work in their hearts. We thank you, Jesus, and we love you. Amen.